0: How to Financially Prepare for Buying Your First Home, Part 2. Let's do this. Welcome to the podcast. My name is David Sedoni, the How to Buy a Home Guy. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're here for the first time, you're super weird because this specifically says part two. Not sure why this would be the first one that you ever listened to. But hey, thanks for joining us. And stop this right now and go back and listen to part one. There's a whole bunch of information there. We're going to get started right now, moving to part two of the financial preparedness podcast. I'm going to jump right into it, starting with step two. Now, part one, what we did was we went through the basic overall and the numbers, and I got into the steps. Uh, So far, broken it down to 19 steps. There could be more by the time I do part three and part four of this little mini series I've got going. And then we got down to the very, very first step after we went through the overall numbers. That was save money. So step two is going to help you do that. And that is, there's an app for that. So moving right into it, these are the best apps for the dreaded B word In my house, when you were growing up, you were not allowed to say the B word. I think I could only, uh, yeah, no, not even close. Couldn't even say it. But sooner or later as I grew up, I realized the real B word was budget. So go ahead. Uh, if you're listening on your phone right now, open up your app store and start taking a look at these. We're going to run through the best apps for the nasty B word budget mint is probably the oldest and best-known app for budgeting. It's kind of the gold standard, been around for a long time. It automatically updates and categorizes your transactions. It gives you like a big picture of all your spending in real time. It also does a bunch of other things for financial stuff. I mean, this is like if you want to do everything, but people seem to say that Mint is really good for budgeting because it it puts it front and center. uh, When you open up the app, it's the first thing you see right there, and it'll automatically categorize, Transactions, whether it's coming from your credit card or your debit card. It's going to, and then if you want to, you set up a budget and it tracks it up against your budget. You know, and then you'll get an alert if you go over budget. And I'll also let you know, you know, where you're sitting with your cash flow every single month. And it gives you just kind of a good picture of everything that you need. Now, if you're looking for just something to protect you because you have no willpower, then Pocket Guard is a good app. That's Pocket Guard. What it does is it's basically a virtual nagging partner (laughs) or a loved one. It does the one thing that mainly, you know, lots of folks need to know, how much money do they have left for spending? It tells you how much money do I have in my pocket? You know, after I've paid all my bills and my savings goals and all my contributions are out there, how much money is left in my pocket? And then if you want it to detail it, and this is something I highly recommend that you do, whether you do it with this app or something else. Detail for 90 days. Find out how much money you spend on groceries, on clothes, on eating out, on booze, on your recreational drug habit, whatever it is. Write all those numbers down. And then you're going to be able to take a look at those and realize where maybe you can make a few cuts. Usually people like to say, or Starbucks, or things like that. But I think that you know, making sure that you're In check with your drug habit. That's a good thing. Next up, nerds. This one is for you. Those of you phase twoers or phase threeers, you guys who are hardcore or you know, you people who are phase one and you're still a few years out, if you want to get into this, go for it. Excel spreadsheet people, here you go. It's called You Need a Budget. Like this one has serious followers, like crazy Harry Potter, Star Wars style. Followers, it's pretty intense. It's got people, I mean, they actually call it YNAB. You need a budget, like, they're totally into it. It's not free, I think it's like 90 bucks a year, but people say they save way more than that when they use it. I'm not even going to explain it to you and just say if you're a diehard Excel numbers nerd, get in on it. YNAB. The next app is called Wally, this is one that a lot of millennials are using. And this one, um, it's as far as it's user, it's not the most user friendly, but it's really become popular because it's free and works on you know iPhone and Android, and so a lot of folks really enjoy Wally. So check these all out and figure out which one works for you. One of the reasons why people like Wally is, or why it's so popular, I should say, is because it also works with foreign currencies, so it's for people outside of the uh, United States. Moving on into our next app, more than just budgeting, you've got Prism. Prism is an app that takes your account balances and your bills and puts them all on one platform. And it can help you pay those bills directly from there. A lot of you guys might use online banking, but if you want to use an app, knock yourself out. Prism is a good one. Simple is another app that got some very good reviews. What Simple does is it tracks your income and your spending automatically, and then it implements a goal feature and that helps motivate your savings. And if you're getting ready to spend something, they've got this one feature called safe to spend. And it tells you, you know, ooh, are you on track to hit your goal that you put in at the beginning of the month? You know, it's kind of like a a, TED app that makes sure that you don't drunk dial. This kind of does the same thing and, um, doesn't cost you anything. And it also, can be used for your banking. So it's pretty cool for banking and budgeting. Another app that a lot of people use is called M Envelopes. For those of you guys familiar with Dave Ramsey and budgeting, basically think about it this way. If you're old school and you need to visualize it, take all your bills, write it on an envelope and stick all those envelopes up against the wall in the side of your room. And then every month you just put money into the envelope. And then when you need to spend money on something, you know, if you've got Some of the envelopes beyond your bills are into your entertainment, and your fun stuff. When the money's gone, it's gone. My dad and mom used to say uh, when my dad was in the military, they used to go into the PX, which is the little store there, and and buy a jar of pickles every month. And then you knew exactly how much money they were getting. And uh, so they could afford one jar of pickles every month. And my dad still to this day says to me, Dave, when the pickles are gone, the pickles are gone. My dad's a weird dude, but I love him. It's actually really good advice. When the pickles are gone, the pickles are gone. So uh, moving on to the next app, Good Budget. Good Budget is used the same kind of way. It's the envelope vibe. It's, that, it's a whole philosophy, and it's great to try it out because what Good Budget does is it works with the envelope theory, but it works for couples so you can budget together. And if you're afraid to do that, and you're afraid to think about budgeting with someone, then you should probably rethink the entire relationship. But that's just me. <laughs> I'm just saying if you guys can't figure out you know, how much money you to spend on pizza, maybe the whole moving in together, not such a good idea. And another app that we really like is Acorns. I uh, talked about it with my boy, Joel Larsgaard, from the How to Money podcast. He uh, was super awesome and came on episode 15 of this podcast. And he talked about Acorns. It auto-invests your money. It rounds up, boop, and the money goes right into an investment. It's a great way to start saving. Okay, if you are still freaked out by all of this, if you know, you're listening to me talk about saving and talking about apps to take your money and put it away and think about your bills the whole time, then fine. Use these apps for your FOMO event. Okay. You're afraid you're going to miss a concert, a festival, you know, a super cool brunch, whatever it is, then use the app for that. I still want you guys to live your life. You know, I don't want you to put every single penny that you have toward a house. You figure it out. Use the richest man in Babylon, 70, 10, 10, 10. It's your call. What those tens are. You can make one of your tens for, like I said, whatever you want. Concerts, Burning Man, Coachella, music festivals. How about a cruise with your friends or a vacation or some crazy extravagance that you really want to do to pretend like you're some, you know, trust fund influencer, whatever. Make a budget for that. Just the fact that if you use these apps to make those budgets, it's going to change the way that you look at money and get you ready to stop renting and throwing your money away. So remember, if you just find, you know, if you've got that money set aside and it's already there, then, oh my God, there's this great concert. I just found out they're coming to town. Well, so what do you do? You scramble, you pick up an extra shift, right? Or even worse, you skip a payment on something or you're late on something, or you use that tax refund that you should have used to pay off a bunch of other stuff to do that big thing. Well, what if you actually plan for that? What if you use these apps to make a FOMO account? You know, once a month you skip one little thing, one extra movie, you know, one dessert. Forget skipping an entire dinner. Just skip the dessert or get the cheaper thing or get water or, you know, drink it home. Learn how to be a mixologist instead of, you know, going out and spending money on four different cocktails you know, one less collectible this month, you goober. Instead, find these alternatives, you know, eat at home, cook, have friends over, watch Netflix that you steal from your friend, use their code. All of that stuff can be things that will help you save some money and help you be ready so that you're not scrambling to pick up overtime or having to sacrifice or not pay your bills. And who knows, maybe when you invite friends over to your house and you're the one doing the bartending, working on your flair skills, that maybe you can charge 10 bucks cover for them to come in and check you out because you've got such sweet bartending skills tossing the bottles all over the house. Pretty cool, huh? All right, let's go to step three. Make sure that you have an emergency fund. Before you even start saving for your down payment, Get that emergency fund, have it ready. This is a step that is not fun. It's adulting. I tell my buyers all the time it's not sexy, but it's real. Have it. Be ready. Simple. Step four, check your credit. How do you do that? Go back to the podcast, episode three and episode eight. Remember, those podcasts are huge, tons of information from other professionals who do credit full-time. And The key is that all credit reports have errors. I used to hear between 20 and 30%. And then, like TRW is like, yeah, 70, 75% of the stuff, you know, have something wrong on there. What? It's insane. So, the longer that you wait to check on your credit just to see if maybe you're one of those people that has something wrong, the less time that you have where it's off of your credit and your credit is rising. See, credit moves slowly. And the more time that it's working correctly, the more time that it goes up. So whatever you're doing right now, just go back and listen to those episodes and get on this and do it. Skip binging tonight, skip your workout, just figure it out. And then next week, take another 20 minutes and do the same thing. The more time that you put into your credit today, 20 minutes a day, 20 minutes a week. I don't care, whatever. The more time, the more growth that you're going to have. As a matter of fact, right now, because you haven't started on your credit, you lost two points of growth because history and length of your credit report being correct, all that stuff grows. So you lost two points by not doing anything. So go do it right now. You still here? You just lost two more points. Seriously, go fix your credit right now. Okay, good. Step five. This is an interesting one. Check your interest rates. Interest rates differ from, you know, credit card to savings account to car loans to other accounts and, you know, what you might not be realizing is that you could be getting higher savings accounts, interest rates, and you could be getting lower interest rates on your loans. So go through every bill and account that you have and check the interest rate. Can you do better? Did you answer that question? Really? Did you start working in the banking industry? How do you know? I didn't know. Nobody knows. Call. So if you've been making full and prompt credit card payments, call them all up and say, hey, I'd like a lower rate. You never know. You might get it by asking. And your auto loan, check it out. Because the deal with auto loans is they're a little weird. They don't have to play by any rules. They're not regulated. It's unfortunate, but they have what we call a carve-out where they use their lobbyists and they figured out how to get around any legislation that makes sure that you know they're regulated. And that's just the way it is. So they can do whatever they want and their interests, You know, unless you've got a simple interest, your car loan is probably a really bad loan and it sucks, but them's the rules and you got to deal with it. So a lot of times if you're like, oh cool, I'm going to jump on and make an extra payment. Sometimes on a car loan, that doesn't even help. So instead of trying to make an extra payment or, or pay the whole thing off, save your money and diversify that money in a different way, you know, call them up, Maybe look into refinancing, maybe find you know a good, nice loan and keep that payment low, and instead of paying the whole thing off, remember the banks look at your, they don't look at your overall debt. so if you owe 10 grand on a car, you don't want to pay off the whole loan if you get a $10,000 check from grandma, because maybe that's only a $200 a month payment, and the banks don't look at your overall debt. They don't say, "He owes10,000 dollars on a car, she owes $10,000 dollars on a car." They look at your monthly obligation. And right now that monthly obligation is only $200 a month. And so they compare that $200 a month that you owe on that $10,000 debt. They look at that $200 a month compared to how much money you bring in each month. And then they figure out how much of a monthly loan you can afford. Now, if that was confusing, go back, rewind, listen to it again. They look at your monthly Number, not your overall debt. Same thing with your student loans. So sometimes it's better to refinance your car loan into a longer payment program, but with a lower payment. So that means you might have to chill a little longer in your not so fresh whip. And you do that so that you can upgrade into a nice house. Because what's cooler? Sleeping in your car or sleeping in a cool house? Sucks. But, you know, if you're the kind of person who needs to ride around in front with a a fresh ride, well, then, you know, eventually, whoever you're trying to impress, once they get in your cool car and you drive them back to your apartment that you rent with three friends, they're not going to be impressed anymore. So (laughs) maybe it's time to just let that car payment work itself out, lower it down and keep it out there for a long time. I'm going to do this. This is going to be the last step for the, no, I'll do two more. Step six. Step six, use big chunks of cash to your advantage. Big cash chunks. It's a great way to save. I mean, you can save by doing these little pieces every single month, but you know, there's another, obviously just this giant big chunk is another huge source for you. Those occasional times in your life when you get money, whether it's birthday, tax refund, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever. All right. And don't forget the biggest payday of them all. That's uh, your weddings and your babies. Most folks are, you know, regularly depositing thousands of dollars a year, you know, from these cash chunks, whether it's their taxes or you know, like I said, you know, birthdays, refunds, whatever. And there's an opportunity for you to figure out how to use those as a large portion of your savings. I know tons of people that spend their tax refund before they even get it. In fact, they'll even plan their vacations based on that. I know that there are people that want to blow their cash that they get, you know, if you get a sudden windfall and you want to blow it on something cool, but think about it big chunks of money they work two ways for you. One is they they boost your savings, right? That's a big deal. That's simple. You understand that. But two is that mortgage programs, the people you're going to ask to, you know, the program that you're going to ask the bank and the lending institutions to loan you the money, especially the FHA, the one that we talked about in part 1 of this series, they're going to be looking at your money in your bank. And seeing when you got it. The term they use is seasoned money. That means that if your money's been there a while, it's like marinated, it's had time to sit there and season, not the money that you just got from your aunt, who's lovely and wonderful and wants you to buy a new house. But if you start using your big chunks and you toss it in there every once in a while, they're gonna see that you are demonstrating financial responsibility and that you have an ability to take your money and save it and season your money. Now, don't let that discourage you because later on, we're going to talk about how my clients have used gifts to purchase homes. You know, I gave you those numbers, 15000 21500 28000 those basic numbers to buy a house. I've had people that once the income qualify, if they've only got a couple thousand dollars in savings, maybe their grandma and grandpa or their parents give them $25,000, Boom. So, you can use that $25,000. You just have to find the right program that doesn't need your money to be seasoned. So, don't be discouraged. You can still use a gift, but why not start showing the seasoned money now? Because then down the line, you can always have an option. Okay, last one for part two of my how to financially prepare yourself to be a first time home buyer. This is something that's really interesting that a lot of first time buyers are doing. This is step seven house hacks. All right. First, you got to suck it up. And when you're waiting to buy a house, you don't need to be living in the giant two bedroom apartment for just you and your cat or your dog with the doorman and the dry cleaning and all that. If you're getting close, I mean, fine. Maybe you need to. That's cool. But I'm just giving you this this option. The longer you do that, the more money you're going to spend on rent and the less money you're going to spend giving to yourself. So if you need to live with roommates, live in a studio, but you know, really try not to live in a fancy one or two bedroom by yourself unless you have already planned that that 12-month lease is your last lease in a place like that. One of the things we do with the house hack is when you're getting ready to buy a house, find a place in the middle of everything. Get a little studio apartment or live with roommates in a place that's surrounded by you know, all the great bars and restaurants and fun things to do, because that's going to save you money because you're not going to have to drive and go places. And, you know, when you are going out, there's this one website that uh, I'll give you the, the websites at the end of the episode here. But, you know, this website said, take it easy when you go out, chill, live with roommates, relax, because when you've saved all that money, you'll be able to live in a whole house, you can celebrate by turning cartwheels in all that open space. I like that. Okay, now the second house hack, and this is a big one. This is especially for you phase three-ers who are getting close. Renting out part of your house or house hacking. It's a super popular way that millennials have found to make buying a home more palatable than you know renting. So a lot of you guys, the deal is a lot of folks you guys already live with roommates. You've done this. Anyone who's been to college or you know, slept on a couch or on a floor, you've done this. So think about renting out part of your current place. If you're a good communal person, this is easy for you. Get a roommate or you know, even rent an entire room. I've got people that have done you know, Airbnb and VRBO. you know, And who knows, in the future, by the time you listen to this podcast, maybe it'll be a, a new app for that. What if you live near something cool? Or you know, you're you're in a really desirable part of town or someplace that where people want a vacation. I saw this great thing on Shark Tank. These guys came in and they had an idea of doing a like an Airbnb called Game Day Rentals, because you know, they were from parts of the country where people were really into college football. And for six weekends a year, you know, a couple preseason games and then the the four games there at the stadium. There were people that lived near the football stadium who didn't necessarily care or went, geez, I can get my entire year's mortgage paid by renting my place out six times for all the alumni who come back into town. Incredible. I've got one of my great Disney clients. They got a house and rented out their third room to people you know, through Airbnb or VRBO. I can't remember. And a few years later, they had a housewarming party and they had an beautiful new backyard because they just let people stay there while they were going to Disneyland. It was awesome. Okay. So let's recap our steps. Before we get to our steps, you guys need to know your basic numbers. We went over those, you know, they've, you've got your basic minimums in 2018, 1.76 million people were first-time buyers and they bought a home with only 6% down. So don't believe the dinosaurs or the pundits or the fear preachers or even people who mean well, like your parents or your smart older relatives or friends. You you just can't believe them. Believe that number. It's the fact. The average of 1.76 million buyers was 6%. And of my 81 first-time buyers, most of them used the 3.5% FHA down payment. And that's starting back in 2006. So these people who are trying to to help you out and give you advice they're using the old formulas. Now they they're coming from a place of concern and you know that's great and they really want to protect you but folks who haven't purchased a home recently they don't know what it's like to buy in such a rising rental market where the incomes are still a little flat and not matching the rising rents. And many of them haven't bought a home in the decade and don't even know about these plans. So as as long as you know the numbers and you're conservative and, and thoughtful, the math is going to work out for you in the long run. Yeah, sure, you're protected if you put 20% down. But if you're listening to this podcast, that means you're the kind of person who is already thinking about this. So as long as you go 3.5% down and you talk this all out, you're going to be in great shape. We're talking about $15,000 for a $200,000 home, $21,500 for 300000 and 28000 our $400,000 home. That's the three and a half plus the 3% for closing costs, plus a couple thousand for loan inspections and appraisal. And don't worry, that's all going to be on the notes for episode 19. And now this one's episode 20. So we've still got, geez, 12 more steps left. Why 19? Why only one on the first one and six in this one and 12 in the next one? Because seriously, if you can't handle that math, why do you think you can handle figuring out a $300,000 loan? (laughs) Oh, sorry. I'm just being a jerk at the end of the night here. Look, there are complexities that go within buying a house. There are several steps. And I just wanted to spread them out for you. This can be very simple, but it's not always easy. So sometimes you guys are going to have to think. Sorry, that's hashtag adulting. The first six steps. Well, actually, let's do the first seven steps. Number one, suck it up and save. That's adulting. It's good practice. Practice like getting a dog before you have kids. 70, 10, 10, 10. And if it's killing you, change the last 10 to FOMO and automate it today. How do you do that? Step two, use an app. I'm so dead serious about you using an app to get to your financial goals, no matter what they are, that I'm going to break the cardinal rule of podcasting and tell you to stop this podcast right now and go research the apps. So do it right now. They're all, if you don't remember them, they're all on the website, com. So do it right now. Go put an app on your phone right now. Bye. Great. Welcome back. So now you've got an app on your phone. That's awesome. So now we're going to go to number three. Number three is start an emergency fund. Number four, uh, your credit. Very, very important. Learn all you can. Check yours. Start correcting it today. Time is your enemy on this one. If you wait, you lose potential points that you could be earning now. So start. The longer that you take fixing this, then the better your score will be when it matters, when the time comes. Number five, check and improve your interest rates that you have today. You're going to be surprised by just asking and seeing what results happen from that. You know, last week was the 4th of July, and my entire Facebook and Instagram feed was filled with people who were binging Stranger Things 3 that came out that morning. So fine, go ahead, do what you got to do, but binge one less episode, take 20 minutes and make some calls to your credit card companies, your phone companies, if you have a loan on that, your car companies, whatever it is, your colleges for sure. And see what you can do. Take 20 minutes. Eat this elephant one bite at a time. You know, Don't forego all the things that you love. I'm not telling you to take your days off and bury yourself in this budgeting crap. I'm just telling you to take 20 minutes a day. And then when you are looking to do this gigantic thing and buy a home, you're not going to be in a situation where you're missing out because you needed a few extra points on your credit score or a few extra dollars in your savings account. Number six, chunks are good. Use them wisely. And of course, number seven, house hacks. Live simply and think about the idea of renting out part of your house. Cool. So that's the recap. That's where we're at. And this is important that you guys go ahead and listen to it. This is part two. There's going to be a part three, probably a part four. Listen to all this stuff. Take some time. You don't know what you don't know. And that's what I'm here for. I have done a lot of research on this as well. All the websites are going to be on my website, davidsedoni.com. Click on podcasts. And there you're going to find uh, under episode 19, episode 20, links to Simple Dollar, Money Under 30, Dave Ramsey, USAA, Adam Carroll, The Mastery Podcast, if you really want to get some other great, great stuff in your ears to help you understand and really have a different mindset about money. And then my favorites, NerdWallet, TheBalance.com, and Listen Money Matters. So now you got your information. That's all at DavidSedoni.com. This will be episode number 20. This is part two of at least a three, probably a four-parter If you're liking this, please share it with your friends. Make sure they go back and start it, part one of this. And if you have any other questions, go back and look at all the other podcasts. And if you're looking at the podcasts, that's probably not going to be helpful because you have to listen to podcasts. Everything's at davidsodoni.com. You can look at that. It's right there on your interwebs. Check us out on Facebook, How to Buy a Home. I am on Instagram as well. Everything here is to help you. We are looking to start a revolution to change the way the real estate industry takes care of you the first-time buyer. If this is something that interests you, if this is something that you're excited about, share this. Share this podcast with your friends, anyone you know out there who's stuck renting. This revolution can only start if you get out there and demand the service that you deserve. It's there. You just have to hunt for it. Thanks so much, everybody. Part three is coming up next. Remember, you can do this.